Are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Does he take forever to call you back and respond to your request? Are you paying him good money to keep things working, but there are still constant problems, slowness, and other recurring issues? Are you worried he's not backing up and securing your network? And does your head hurt from having all these issues to deal with? If this describes you, please be sure to call my good friend Matthew Odom of Heritage Digital at 843-664-8989. Heritage Digital is an IT firm that specializes in safely securing and managing your business IT network. Whether you have one employee or 500, Heritage will make sure that your business isn't bogged down by IT issues impacting your security, productivity, and most importantly, your profits. Heritage Digital will perform a no-cost IT assessment and ask you all the right questions to make sure your IT network works correctly all the time, and it's for one low monthly fee. This is a turnkey solution, folks. And with clients from South Carolina to California, Heritage has you covered. So if you're sick and tired of the constant computer and network issues, call Matthew Odom of Heritage Digital today at 843-664-8989 and get rid of all the issues negatively impacting your business once and all and forever. 843-664-8989, heritagedigital.com. Rock and roll. It's your daily dose of all things Gamecocks on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Here's J.C. Sherbert. Inside the Game Guys podcast, J.C. Sherbert here with you. Monday, December 6th. Hope you all are doing well and enjoyed championship weekend. Uh, thanks, as always, to Heritage Digital for sponsoring this first portion of the podcast, the news and notes portion. Had a good weekend myself. Really enjoyed the football games. Thought, um, well, let's just say they went uh, the way I needed them to, uh, to a certain extent. And, uh, you know, I know on, t- on the big spur, I predicted Georgia to win by 20. I uh, changed my mind when it came to, like, uh, my for entertainment purposes only prediction <laughs> went with Bama and uh, actually uh, did what's called a futures uh, deal of, of, at the end of October, just kind of took five bucks and put it on there or whatever uh, parlayed Michigan and Alabama to win the two conferences. So uh, that paid off pretty well <laughs> in terms of a small investment. So uh, that was my weekend. Got to do a little bowling this weekend. Are you guys, uh, I don't know if you we have any bowlers out there, but uh, I've certainly enjoyed it. But uh, let's get right to it uh, with the Gamecocks because it's not the inside the bowling or uh, online sports fun app uh, podcast. It's uh, the Gamecocks, so we got to talk about that. Um, news and notes yesterday: good win uh, for Frank Martin and his team. A good bounce back uh, against Georgetown and. Um, you know, I keep reading, you know, you look at Georgetown's results this year and they've been disappointing, obviously. Um, but I do think this, I, I think that anytime in college sports, when you are not a brand or, or not quite a big brand, you're always a brand, but uh, a big brand and, and you can beat a known brand, uh, it's a positive thing. Uh, and a 13 point win over Georgetown at home, obviously, was uh, was a big deal. Uh, for this team, and I think it kind of shows that uh, this team is not 24 points worse than Coastal, uh, and, and I think most of you probably understand that. That was what was so bad about that loss the other day uh, was that, you know, South Carolina was not – it's not like 
uh, they just don't have the players and Coastal's got all these players and they're a better team. And, you know, South Carolina, frankly, just played bad. Uh, played like they didn't care, you know, in a lot of ways. Uh, so it made it inexcusable. But rallying and getting a win, uh, you know, and, and folks can complain all they want. And I get it because I said this too. It feels like deja vu um, all over again with a lot of the sports uh, for the past seven years, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, and then there hasn't really been a breakthrough in a positive manner. Uh, everything that's happened that's been been a change has been like, you know, a team program going backward, like a historically bad year uh, for all three. Um, there's never that breakthrough into the next level. There hasn't been with the exception of uh, 30 days in March of 2017, which was awesome and never to be forgotten and downplayed or anything like that. Um you know, but, but what this does with this year's team now, I mean, big picture wise, we can have all the discussions in the world, you know, when you kind of connect everything together. Uh, but what this team, this does for this team this year is, okay, so you, 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 you got the coastal thing that happened. I mean, you can't change it, you know, and so what do you do? Uh, you can either use that as something that's motivating that, that gets you out. And then I think that we're motivated and played a good game. Uh, against Georgetown Sunday, uh, and, and you can go put it behind you and say, all right, this never needs to happen again, and here's what we're going to do not to let it happen again, or you can uh, let it consume you, <laughs> and uh, you won't play well against other teams. So that's, um, you know, uh, there's really two choices, folks. I mean, it, it's not, you know, you can sit here and dwell on that loss to Coastal all you want, dwell on the other bad losses through the years, Uh I don't think from, you know, when you look at the strength of the SEC from a numerical standpoint, in other words, the net rankings, plenty of opportunity to climb for South Carolina. Um, I think that, you know, you look at it, Clemson on the road is an opportunity, Florida State away from colonial life is an opportunity. I mean, you know, this thing is not over and it never is you know, with a couple of losses. And, and, you know, I think there's so many good teams in the Southeastern Conference this year uh, that have gotten off to good starts that, uh, you know, Carolina's got opportunities, you know, uh, to, to, to bolster their resume and to perhaps make it. Uh, I think this team is, has enough firepower and enough players to make it. Uh, I think that a lot depends on shots dropping, uh, as we as we know, <laughs> uh, and, and stuff like that. So, you know, we'll see what happens. You got Florida State next Sunday in Rock Hill, small gym. Should be a lot of Gamecock fans there uh, for that one. Um, I like I like playing that. Uh, quite frankly, I think, uh, and I wrote this after the Final Four year because I, I started just thinking about how much success South Carolina has had uh, playing in Greenville. Uh, and, and they only played there three times. They beat, beat Clemson there one year because Clemson moved their home court there while they were renovating Little John, uh, and then the two NCAA tournament wins. I was like, well, you know, there's this big, nice, neutral site uh, venue up here in, in Greenville that, uh, you know, it's in the upstate, and, you know, you can get a lot of fans out for it. And, you know, sometimes that's a little different than, you know, the configuration and all that's different than colonial life, and so you don't have the – and you don't turn on the TV and see the empty seats and stuff. I, mean, I expect a pretty good crowd in Rock Hill. Um, and, you know, Florida State speaks for themselves under Leonard Hamilton. They've been outstanding. Uh, it's kind of one of those understated success stories because when you think of the ACC, 
uh, in basketball and, and everybody from Notre Dame to Louisville to Syracuse to Pitt to Duke, North Carolina, and you name it. Uh, there, you talk about big brands. There's a lot of uh, big brands in that league. Florida State probably should not be uh, as good as they are, but they're one of the best uh, in the ACC year in and year out. This year, you know, sort of a so-so start. I think they got blown out in a game by Purdue. But um, Florida State recruits the state of South Carolina in basketball pretty heavily. Uh, it's a it's a team that you know I don't I don't know if the Gamecocks have played them since the Metro Conference days, but it's a team Carolina could use a win uh, over. And you know you win that you get a seven and two, and then you got you got Allen, but then you got Clemson, and then I think SC State and Army are, are the ones that you know. So if you can get through Florida State, Clemson uh, with wins, you know, and not stub your toe against somebody like Army. Uh, you know, I think South Carolina, you know, you look at, at 11 and two uh, in the uh, preseason. It's probably not if it ends up that way, it probably wasn't the 11 and two people picked, you know, because I think probably they would have thought the Gamecocks would beat Princeton and Coastal and then lose to, you know, a Georgetown or Florida State, Clemson, whoever. But um, shoot, you take it. I think <laughs> I, I think you take it if, and it could happen. You know, it's not guaranteed. Uh, I think Clemson's a good basketball team this year. It's up there at Little John. First time they've played since two years ago. Uh, you know, so there's that. I, I certainly think Florida State's capable of beating the Gamecocks on a neutral site. Um, but uh, I don't know that either one of those games you call the Gamecocks a massive underdog. So opportunity awaits right there. Uh, for this men's basketball team uh, and all that. And, you know, hey, look, it, it, it's good to it, – it was good to rebound from that coastal loss. I'm certainly not going to downplay that loss because it was bad, and, and there's no spinning that. Um, but, look, you know, it's a long season. Eight games in, I think they played 27, 28, 29, something like that. Um, I wouldn't worry about it too much. I wouldn't sweat it until you get to the end and if it costs the Gamecocks uh, a NCAA tournament bid, well, then you know, you know, this is just a trend that's uh, unfortunate. But um, we'll see if it hurts them uh, down the road and, and see how everything plays out because I think that uh, when you kind of consider everything, uh, you know, rebounding like that to get to the – to get to the deal um, – you know, that, that that's that's all you can ask for, you know. Because, like I said, you can't go back and change the Coastal game. Uh, it's bad. South Carolina should never never lose to Coastal Carolina like that in, in any any sport, really, including baseball. So, uh, we're, we're pretty good. So, basketball side, um, football. Uh, Austin Stogner, former four-star player, uh, Oklahoma transfer, tight end, visiting with the Gamecocks this past weekend. I'm told it went well. Uh, but I'm also told, look, uh, you know, because there was that there was the rumor that, you know, Stoddard's transferring to South Carolina. Um, and, look, uh, you know, his relationship with Shane Beamer speaks for itself. But, you know, there's other schools that have gotten involved. Alabama and Ohio State have been mentioned. Um, so, I don't know. You know, I don't, I, when, when it comes to this situation, I'm – I was pretty confident because, you know, you heard all that about the Gamecocks and then he goes in the portal and then immediately visits South Carolina. Uh, but then you hear about these other schools involved, uh, all that good stuff. So, you know, you, you, you always 
You always have to, you have to wait and see on that. Thank you, Alexa. Anyway, um, more bad news in recruiting, or what I consider bad. Again, not the end of the world, but uh, not good either. Camden Brown, who Justin Stepp did a magnificent job of getting the Gamecocks in the mix. Uh, he decommits from Pitt, cancels his trip to Arizona, schedules a trip with Carolina, then Georgia offers, and so now he's going to Georgia. Uh, for the visit. And look, Georgia's had so such great success this year. Um, you know, you, you just kind of stay, oh, well, you know, they're Georgia right now. Uh, and that's um, that's the deal there. Uh, Shane Beamer is an in-home visit with DeAndre Martin, who finally decommitted from Virginia Tech. And, you know, Gamecocks are trying to flip him. I don't know if what ultimately is going to happen because Martin is a guy that, you know, the Gamecocks thought they were getting him, and then he decided to stay home and go to Virginia Tech, and then he didn't decommit. And so, you know, it's one of those things where I'm convinced the kid's heart is in Virginia Tech. Uh, you know, he grew up in Virginia. I think that's kind of uh, where he wants to go. Um, but, uh, you know, Carolina's going to try to flip him and, and see, you know. And, and it wouldn't surprise me either way. wouldn't surprise me either way. It's just something that keeps – there's a hold up, you know, I don't know. I just psychoanalyzing it here. It just kind of, I kind of, I think, you know, I think he's going to come with South Carolina, but I, you know, there's just something there um, where he keeps reverting back to going to Blacksburg. So we'll keep an eye on that. Uh, Hale McGranahan over the weekend broke the news. Spencer Rattler. There is some, some talk there uh, and we'll see if he visits. Um, you know, it just kind of seems like, Rattler, you, you hear about UCLA, and then that's not going to happen. Then you heard Oregon, maybe. And then uh, Cristobal took the Miami job today, so there's no coach at Oregon right now. And, it, you know, you just kind of think, I, mean, I, I don't know, it, it may line up. Uh, and I think the Gamecocks will end up with somebody, a quarterback in the portal. Belk Bowl uh, matchup was announced. Battle of the Carolinas, North Carolina, South Carolina, 11.30 p.m., Kickoff in Charlotte on what is a work day. It's the 30th, so I'm, I'm hopeful maybe some folks uh, downtown Charlotte got the day off that week. Tra- traffic is just, you know, that that, that road that, go, I guess, Belt Freeway or whatever that goes around. Good Lord. Uh, <laughs> and I, re- I remember the, the, the UNC Carolina game that uh, opened the season in 2015. It kicked off at like 545 on a Thursday night in September. And I remember the, I got there really early and it was already messed up places to park, things like that. So, um, you know, I, that's a concerning logistic as sometimes it is with, with these games in Charlotte. Uh, of course this is a bowl game and not, um, you know, not a, uh, not a regular season game. And last time Carolina played in the belt bowl was on a Saturday. So, Pretty much, I think it was a noon kickoff when uh, Virginia beat the Gamecocks. But, that, you know, important game, I think, uh, in terms of uh, opportunity. You know, it, and, and it's not – it's not. doesn't even seem like a bowl game. Uh, it seems uh, – it, it, it is a bowl, but it's, it, it, it's more like a, you know, a business opportunity, I would think, uh, given the opponent, you know, because North Carolina uh, didn't have the year they wanted this year. Um, Still recruiting really well at a high level. 
you know, they've been sort of a problem in terms of recruiting that the Gamecocks, no matter which staff it's been, they've, they kind of got to work around it right now. Um, so when you, when you have an opportunity to, to win a game against a team that, that's a pain in your butt, you want to do it. And Gamecocks get a chance to do it two years earlier than expected because, you know, the next time they, they're scheduled to play is 2023 to open the season. So, you know, uh, you could call it a gift. I know that Sam Howell, the news broke today that he was not going to opt out and get a play quarterback for them in the game. And so, you know, you, you look at it like that and, you know, that it's going to make the tasks tough. Uh, Howell's a, a special player and certainly can make things happen uh, on offense and, and they can score and Gamecocks can't score sometimes. And so you, you worry about that matchup. At the same time, you know, you, look, man, South Carolina plays in the Southeastern Conference. Um, they play uh, Clemson every single year. You know, A&M every single year for right now. Uh, all the East teams, Georgia, those guys for right now. You, you can't be scared of great players because, <laughs> you know, you're going to face a bunch of them, you know, and, and that's that's the thing there. Um, you know, and I know Gamecock fans, you know, you're kind of looking for a, you know, a, a cheap win, I guess, you know, and uh, all that. Hoping Howell doesn't, doesn't play because – you know, their backup, May, is a very talented guy, but they haven't been protecting the quarterback well this year at all. Uh, I think Howell's been to sack 44 times, uh, I read somewhere. So, you know, that's uh, that's just kind of the deal there uh, with the belt bowl. All right, now moving on to the next segment. <laughs> uh, analysis, we call this uh, segment here on the Inside the Game Cuts podcast, brought to you by Cindy Searfoss, Realtor, Colwell Banker Kane. Uh, if you're in the upstate, Spartanburg, Greenville, Anderson, Union, Oconee, Pickens, you know, you name it, Cindy can help you. Uh, and we know the real estate market is tough right now. It's weird. It's, you know, people are uh, making bank on their houses. Then people can't get new houses. I mean, it's, it's tough. It's, it's, it's something that's, uh, if you pick up uh, anything, any kind of article on it, you know, you, you, you definitely need help. Uh, guiding your way through it right now. And Cindy can do that. 35 years uh, in the upstate, married to a diehard Gamecock fan. Uh, 864-414-5271. 864-414-5271. That's her cell. Text, call, tell her JC sent you. Um, Cindy Searfoss, Caldwell Banker Kane, can definitely help you with all your real estate needs. Uh, and she is a proud sponsor of the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Um, and uh, – and, uh, you know, this analysis segment that we use. Okay, so looking at recruiting right now, uh, there's a lot of talk. Uh, there's a lot of possibility uh, out there with players in the transfer portal. And I, I'll just say this. I think this is an opportunity, um, you know, because anytime something changes in college football, people are like, well, who does it benefit? You know, who does it benefit? Is the, Are the rich going to get richer? Who does this benefit? And, and I think the portal – is uh, something that, you know, we don't know for sure. You know, those of us that, that follow trends and, and recruiting and roster building and all that, you know, because there, there, there are a lot of different examples of the portal having a direct impact uh, on teams this year. You know, people mentioned Michigan State. I I think they did a good job of blending the portal guys with their, with their guys they had. 
because uh, it's not 100% portal guys that have made that team good this year. But certainly, you know, the running back they got from Wake Forest, you can't argue with that. I mean, that, that guy's unbelievable. You know, it got the Heisman contention, you know. Uh, and who would have known? He was a three-star kid out of Tennessee, you know, when Wake Forest signed him. And, you know, that, that kind of shows you Wake knows what they're doing sometimes with good players. But, uh, you know, you look at that. You look at what Tennessee – was able to do with their quarterback position and, and solidifying that uh, and bringing a guy in like Hooker um, who, who could not only do things in the passing game but also was a, a good enough of a runner to where it really helped what they do because they're going so fast and then you can just run him or whatever. I mean, you look at that, that was impressive. Uh, and it helped Tennessee. Um, I think it helps out. I think the portal helps South Carolina when you look at like the pieces in the secondary uh, that they ha- that were able to come in and help, you know, because that that spot was kind of gutted a, a little bit with everybody. Um, so that's uh, that's uh, another deal. I just read Crystal Ball ten year deal with Miami. Wow, these contracts, folks. <laughs> ten year deal, largest pool for hiring assistant coaches in the Atlantic Coast Conference. Which yes, that would mean. Uh, a bigger pool than Clemson. And, you know, we know Clemson pays their assistance pretty well and has a lot of support staff and things like that. So, wow. Some of these contracts, man, yeah, we, we have quantum leaped uh, as far as coaches' salaries go. And, and I, I didn't, guys, I didn't expect this. I mean, th- th- you're talking about standard deals being doubled, you know, and I guess, you know, it's so rare for, you know, got coaches to go before now from power five to power five jobs. I guess this is what it takes, you know, and uh, these guys all made what I call caged animal syndrome hires. You know, that's when a, a program that's in the wilderness sort of says, we're not going to do this anymore. We're, we're going to go break the bank and hire the guy, you know, who's the guy that makes the most sense for us um, or, or who's a guy that could make the most sense for us to where it's, it's different. It's a it's a big hire and, and all that. And you know, uh, Southern Cal obviously did that with Lincoln Riley. Um, and then you know you, you could say LSU with Brian Kelly, but I you know, is it you know that they 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 actually went and hired the best coach they could and gave him a big contract. But you know, I don't know that LSU is in the caged animal point yet. Um, but they made a big hire. I definitely think this Miami con- – when you look at how much money Miami's paying out, they didn't – they hadn't spent that before. You know, they don't They don't spend that – Miami does not spend that kind of money or hasn't. Um, and so I think they're just sick of, you know, plodding along down there in Coral Gables. And they should be, you know, because it was, you know, 2005 when they went into the ACC. They've won one division in 16 years. Uh all their, a lot of their good players are leaving South Florida, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, so there's that. But, uh, you know, as far as the portal goes for South Carolina, I think, you know, it, it does – we don't know for sure, like, what the best way is, like, who, who does the best in the portal. You know, you're, you're going to have to trend that out over several years. But I do believe that the Gamecocks are, are, have a chance um, to really patch some holes. You know, receiver, uh, like I said, getting a quarterback is going to be big uh, for the Gamecocks. Um, you know, somebody that can come in there and start preferably, and that's nothing. And, I, look, I'm not saying 
at all that if Luke Doty or Jason Brown has to start next year quarterback, the Gamecocks are dead in the water. I'm, I'm not saying that at all. And I, in fact, I, you know, I, I think Jason Brown, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm not in agreement that there needs to be any sort of uh, quarterback battle between Zeb and Jason Brown for the bowl game. I hate, I know Brown played bad against Clemson, but I think he's the best shot with this year's team that you have. Uh, I hate it that, you know, things didn't work well uh, against the Tigers. But, you know, Jason Brown's shown, uh, shown you life, okay? Uh, nothing against Zeb uh, because I, I think he's been a valuable part of the program in a lot of ways and, and, and great story and all that. But you're putting him behind that line. I mean, you know, North Carolina's defense isn't super-duper, but, uh, you know, you still have a suspect offensive line. You have some pre-snap stuff. That, you know, there's just a – you know, and look, it's all about competition and that's fine. Uh, but, you know, Brown, to me, should be the guy for the bowl game. I mean, there's there's just, you know, one bad game aside. You know, I don't I don't know that that was on Jason Brown, that one. I don't, I don't know that if uh, – you know, who, no matter who was playing quarterback for the Gamecocks, that they had much of a shot against Clemson um, just with the way things were planned out and, and whatever. So, uh, and the inability to run the ball. And, and, and that's the thing, too, guys. It, it, it's South Carolina's offense is got, not going very far unless it can run the football. And, uh, you know, Brown, to me, you know, gives you enough in the passing game to where you can't just – stack it up and say, all right, let's go. So anyway, that's the deal there. But, it, you know, as far as the quarterback in the portal goes, you know, uh, and, and it's nothing against Jason Brown. It's not that I don't think Brown can get much better between now and next year and lead the team to a good season. That, that's not it at all. I'm just saying that when you have a chance to massively upgrade, you know, uh, because right now, let's face it, you, Brown is what he is right now, which is good, I think, you know, for a transfer and all that. Um, and then Luke Doty is what he is right now. I mean, you, 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 you think, well, hey, guys can get better, and that's absolutely true. I say that all the time. But if you can get a dude in there um, to manage the – you know, to be the quarterback for the next year or two, um, you do it, especially if he's a difference maker and he, he fits the culture and, you know, all that good stuff. you got to be careful with that. But – you know, and I think any of these guys you've seen thrown out, mentioned Spencer Rattler, Quinn Ewers, you know, whoever. Uh, and I think there's more. You know, I'm not going to get into a bunch of names right now and, and everybody writes the names down and then, like, it's eight names and then game costs go 0 for 8. <laughs> and everybody's going to get mad at me. But, no, it's, uh, you know, somebody like that can, can really change the program and, and the direction of the offense uh, quickly. And a lot depends too on what happens at, at offensive coordinator <clears throat> and all that. Sorry about my voice. Uh, you know, so that that's the breakdown. The portal um, to me is going to be uh, big. You know, for South Carolina this year uh, and could potentially be huge. You know, you got to get some pieces back in place, receiver especially, man. I mean, it's that that spot. You know, the Gamecocks need some guys that that are experienced that can go get it done. Um, that are proven, that can catch passes, that kind of thing. So I, I, uh, you know, I, I look at it as an opportunity. Um, you know, right here in the off season, uh, along with the belt bowl. And I'll say this: uh, look, I, I understand 
Carolina's played in Charlotte a bunch, and I understand, you know, the Gamecocks are going to be underdogs against the Tar Heels, and I understand, I understand all that. But man, I, 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 I look at it a different way um, as far as that goes. Once, once you kind of take the vacation aspect out of the bowl, and you know, you, you start looking at, well, they may go to Birmingham or, or whatever. Uh, I think at that point, you know, it's like, well, what's the best matchup for the school? What 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 presents the most opportunity to go get a win? You know, and 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 you know, I think that it, it's kind of happened before. It happened in the Independence Bowl against Miami. That was not a good Miami team at all. Not a great Gamecock team. Gamecocks won though, and they, you know, got a win over a brand name. I mentioned brand names. Uh, and this one with it being. Uh, the neighbor, you know, up the road, uh, it's even better. And for a lot of old school Gamecocks, North Carolina, it's like, um, I don't know, a, a more hated team at times than Clemson. So that's uh, uh, way back in the day, you know, it was that way. So, you know, we'll see what happens. I also think this, guys, I, I think that, that when you look at the, the bowl situation, because we, we were here in Liberty Bowl and then all of a sudden it switched back, you, you look at these bowl – uh assignments okay and outside of the florida bowl games which every school wants to go to florida for a bowl um you know you got a&m going to the uh gator bowl arkansas going to the outback bowl and kentucky going to the citrus bowl it looks like the the sec this year just said all right we're we're going to go with proximity and they don't always do this remember that arkansas and a&m have both gotten sent to charlotte in recent years but check this out. You know, you look at it, you know, of course you got Ole Miss and Baylor in the sugar and all that, but uh, the Liberty Bowl ended up in Mississippi State right down the road. They're going to bring a huge crowd. You know, South Carolina uh, going to Charlotte, uh, theoretically, I think, should bring a huge crowd. That's in theory. Uh, Tennessee ended up getting sent to Nashville in the Music City Bowl. Uh, I mentioned A&M to the Gator, Arkansas, very deserving to the Outback. I think it's the first time Arkansas's played in Tampa. Uh, LSU, surprisingly enough, six and six, sent to the Texas Bowl, you know, right down I-10. So there you go, over in Houston. So there you go. Missouri uh, was the one that was kind of went to the non-SEC Bowl. They're going to Fort Worth, Texas. Uh, Texas obviously is a state that, they're used to recruiting in and all that. And it's, you know, it's not as close as Memphis, but it's, it's, it's proximity wise fine. Uh, and then of course, Florida got the Gasparilla bowl right down the road in Tampa. Auburn got sent to the Birmingham bowl right up the road in Birmingham. So it looked like this year, sort of the, the, the league office sort of made a, a decision. Um, and I don't, this is not scoop. I, I'm just assuming this to say, okay, well, you know, here are the Florida Bowls, the deserving teams to go to the Florida Bowls. It's a big deal for Arkansas to go to the Outback and Kentucky to go to the Citrus this year. And then after that, we're just going to slot everybody close. And, and, and maybe it's because, you know, with the pandemic here last year, you, you didn't have an opportunity to really sell bowl games out or anything. Uh, a lot of them got canceled, that kind of deal. So maybe that's it. Uh, but I thought the process ended up pretty fair uh, I know the Gamecocks and the Charlotte, the Bull and Charlotte both were like, well, South Carolina's not really, you know, maybe they'd like to go someplace else. Maybe they're Charlotte it out. But, you know, at the end of the day, playing North Carolina in Charlotte is something that is important for this program. Um, playing North Carolina is important. Uh, beating North Carolina is important. Um, 
it's just how it is. It's just geography, man. You know, you, those North Carolina schools, you know, they, you know, they, they, they recruit the same territory and area. And, you know, Sam Howell, like I said, said he's going to play, you know, that makes it tougher, but it's not like South Carolina, you know, is uh, going to just definitely get blown out. You know, I don't, I don't think that at all. And of course, you know, we talk about opt-outs and guys like that. You, you will see who plays. I mean, you know, that's for both teams. You know, maybe Howell plays, but other folks don't. Uh, Clemson defensive coordinator Brent Venables, this was should have been in the news and notes segment. He, he's a new head coach at Oklahoma. Um, there's talk that Tony Elliott, their offensive coordinator, is in the mix at Virginia. Uh, Clemson AD Dan Radakovich is going to Miami. Um, so it looks like there's some some transition in the upstate, uh, how that affects South Carolina and football and the ability to turn the rivalry. I have no idea. <laughs> uh, I, I know that Brent Venables, uh, not having him on the sidelines for any team, Clemson included, uh, is a is a loss. Um, and it's just uh, because of nothing but respect for him and the way he calls defense and if you ever notice, you watch them play, uh, you know, he's out there reading it to the last minute, making calls. I mean, it's it's unique, and uh, it's what makes that defense good, good to dominant at times. Because uh, you almost get to a point with him uh, when, they're, when their talent's up there and stuff like that where if you don't have a big-time vertical passing game, chances are you're going to stroll to move the ball uh, against them. And so that's uh, – that's a, that's a loss no matter how you spin it, um, you know. Uh, of course, Chad Morris leaves a few years back. They just promote from within, and, and the offense actually got better. <laughs> Chad Morris isn't coaching college football anymore, and Tony Elliott's uh, up there, and Jeff Scott's a head coach. So, you know, that's what happens. But anyway, just uh, news there in the upstate. Uh, it was interesting because um, Pry uh, uh, Venables talked about um, – passing on the Auburn job a couple of years ago because he didn't like their alignment. So, um, and then it was, then they said, well, you know, it, it, he didn't pass because it never got that far. Never felt like he was interested. Yeah. And, and he, you know, he's taking his time and, and all that good stuff. But I, I just, if Venables had not taken, assuming he was Oklahoma's guy, right. And look, I think, that's a good hire for them because he, you know, he's got a long, he's got a track record there. He knows the program. Uh, if he was going to pass on that, I, I would just say, go ahead and, uh, you know, write it down that uh, he is, uh, he's going to be at Clemson for forever, like a Bud Foster at Virginia tech. Uh, because I, I just don't know how you pass on, with all your connections at Oklahoma, you pass on that job that's been open, what, twice in 22 years. Um they're kind of a picture of stability with their AD. I mean, it's a good job. Now it's going to be difficult transitioning into the SEC. And, and look, I, here here's what I think: it's smart. Um, Brent Venables at Clemson, right? You know, kind of took over when Clemson was a team that was, you know, pretty solid on offense. But then you guys remember the the ACC championship year. Kevin Steele's defense got rocked by West Virginia in the bowl. You know, they, they weren't overly talented on defense either. Um, 
So Venables gets there and starts to build within three years. It's an, or two years, you know, 2012, 2013, 20, it's the number one defense in the country. Uh, and that's what Oklahoma needs, in my opinion. You, you can talk about Alex Grinch all you want, their D.C. that went with them to uh, Southern Cal, went with Riley. But when Lincoln Riley is your head coach and, and you're score, 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 you know, most defensive coordinators get frustrated and can't get any traction because of that. Now, oh, you played better defense this season. Absolutely. Uh, but you guys know – Coming to the Southeastern Conference, you're going to have to get better on the defensive side of the ball. That's all there is to it because uh, of the athletes and stuff like that. And, you know, you, you've got to go stop teams like Ole Miss and Bama if you're in the West and, and and stuff. And if you're weak on defense, they can offense you to death. I mean, remember Oklahoma, Georgia in 2017 in the Rose Bowls, 54-48 Georgia. Georgia never scored that many points in a game. Shoot. And, uh, you know, and they just wrote, went through them like a knife through butter. And, and that's the challenge, I think, with Oklahoma uh, coming into the league. Now, Texas has a lot more of a challenge, and I'll talk about that at some point. It's probably over the summer and the offseason. But Texas's problems are more systemic, <laughs> if you will, than football. So good hire. Uh, we'll see what Dabo does, talking to some people up there, you know, yeah, it it may be an external hire uh, track record. Certainly, it's not Ted Roof, who was the D coordinator at Auburn when they won the national title, who's been around a lot as an analyst up there. He can get a look at the job, trying to keep the system the same. I mean, I don't know. You know, I don't know what direction they'll go up at Clemson for coordinators. But uh, heck, you know, when you go nine and three after all those uh, playoff runs and people start to leave, you know, sometimes it's an opportunity to kind of you know, reset and start the next chapter um, of that program. But anyway, I thought about Clemson long enough right now, guys. So anyway, that's uh, that's the deal there uh, with the analysis um, in the belt bowl and basketball and, and all that good stuff. So we'll see what happens uh, moving forward. You know, another big recruiting week. I expect a big recruiting weekend. Going to be gathering names and uh, all that good stuff. Uh, like I said, they've been told uh, internally – to expect a big recruiting weekend. So that's uh, that's all I know right now. So we'll see what names get added to the list moving forward. All right, time for everybody's favorite segment, my favorite segment here on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. By the way, uh, if you didn't catch the last episode with Keith Allsup, uh that we recorded on Friday, uh, please go back and listen to that. It's, it's pretty awesome. Um, and uh, – you will uh, you will enjoy that segment. I think it was one of the, yeah. It's kind of a spur of the moment thing. I was just talking to Keith. He's like, well, "I'll jump on with you." And he's like, "Okay." Um, so we did it, and it was really really good. Uh, one more thing, forgot in the news and notes segment. Joe Brady fired Panthers OC. Very interesting. Um, so here's what I have to say about this, Joe Brady. I don't think. Um, I, you know, let's look at this, right? <laughs> uh, Joe Brady, obviously, as passing game coordinator at LSU, was a big reason why they were able to get their offense opened up, take advantage of their talent, and they rolled to one of the you know more dominant seasons in the history of college football. And I don't think anybody should take that away from him. 
here, here's what my question is. Okay. So, you know, and, and the first of all, first thing I'll say is this, as far as Joe Brady being a college OC, um, I don't think it matters that he got fired from the Panthers. Um, as we all know, there are so many times where offenses, offensive geniuses from, you know, uh, from college go to the pros and they, they don't make it. You know, now Cliff Kingsbury, he, he's doing pretty well. Uh, it's kind of funny because he didn't really win a whole lot in college. But he's doing well with the Cardinals. Uh, but, you know, you, you go back through history. Steve Spurrier, Bobby Petrino are, are two of the best play callers in, in college football history. Both were dismal failures. Uh, at the NFL because it just doesn't the, the system did not translate. Um, so you know Bill O'Brien, pretty good year for him calling plays at Bama, right? You know, uh, pretty good game this past weekend, right? Uh, pretty good coach on the college level, right? You know, and there was some disaster, disastrous level stuff that happened with the Texans. So it, it, just because he gets fired from an NFL job doesn't mean that, you know, he can't go back to college and be a good OC, you know, that that's the thing too. But, but here, here here's my deal. You know, you, you brought him in to LSU, but you also had Steve Insminger sitting there. And a lot of people have told me, look, Brady was great, but you know, you just don't, uh, you know, Insminger, don't, don't discount him, you know, don't discount uh, what he did. And if you notice, Brady was sitting there standing up, looking at the field, talking or whatever. Insminger's sitting there with the play chart, charting the plays and actually making the calls. Um, so you have to keep that in mind. Then also keep in mind, you know, what's happened with the offensive coordinator at Carolina, Satterfield from that coaching tree or whatever. And then the offensive coordinators at uh, LSU this year were a disaster. So – you know, I, what is that system really? That's the question. And how much of it had been, at, you know, there, there's a lot of questions there, uh, I think, about Joe Brady and exactly what the ideas were and exactly kind of what is him and what is maybe somebody else and, and all that. You know, so before everybody starts, you know, going, oh, my God, Brent Venables is going to hire Joe Brady at Oklahoma and they're going to score a million points. Let's just live in reality here for a little bit. Or before somebody says, you know, Shane should just go ahead and hire Joe Brady now as the coordinator. Let's sit here and think about this for a little bit, you know, and, and think about like exactly what was working at LSU and what the reasons were. Uh, and a big reason was, you know, the passing game that, that Brady brought to town and all that. But, you know, he, he also had a bunch of NFL guys. Uh, Joe Burrow was unbelievable. Uh, Jamar Chase, look at what he's doing now. I mean, you know, so that's that kind of that old is the system or the players. And uh, it's uh, when LSU was on its run, a, a coaching friend of mine told me, like, look, it's nothing but a big wide open spread kind of deal. Like, you got to have the guts to get in five wide on first down and go, you know. And so maybe 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 it's not anything special. So maybe it's it's not anything special. So that was the last thing there. And now we can get to the mailbag. Mailbag inside the game. Cox has a mailbag sponsored by I Help Consulting. Uh, and I've told you about Daniel Owens from I Help Consulting. 
Uh, I help also sponsors JB and Goldwater will be on there Wednesday. Uh, be sure to check that out too. If you love daily sports talk and all that, but Daniel Owens, uh, for my help consulting can save your money business on credit card processing, insurance, telecom, whatever you want without sacrificing quality. But you know, you may be like JC, how does all this work? Well, it's simple. Call or text Daniel 843-372-5713. Set up a quick phone call or face-to-face meeting. And he's going to look at your business. He's going to see where there may be savings. Are you paying junk fees or your rates too high? Well, maybe. I'd kind of like to find that out, JC. But uh, how do they get paid? Uh, won't consultants charge you more than they're worth? Uh, you know, yeah, and I'll tell you this right now. And you'll save one business 50 grand, one business 48 grand, one business 20,000. 20, I mean, that's significant. Uh, so you may be thinking, well, if they save me 20,000, they're going to charge me 21. Well, no, no, no. That's not how they do business. You only pay a percentage of your first year savings. That's it. So you get to enjoy the savings after that first year. Pocket it. That's all. Uh, and his work is done. Daniel also, and this is the big part, if he can't save you any money, if you got everything on the up and up, you don't owe them a dime, nothing, zero, zilch. So there's no risk. Right now, I help is running a half-off promotion uh, if you tell them that uh, you heard about it right here on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Uh, make sure you tell them that and maybe half-off. So Daniel Owens, iHelp Consulting, 843-372-5713. iHelp Consulting, how can I help you? Proud sponsor of the iHelp Consulting mailbag. And I love the mailbag. Had some had some questions with the uh, the uh, you know last week. What was it uh, in the in the mailbag last week when Keith came on? Just didn't. I said, "Well, we'll hold those over." So, um, all right. So here we go. Uh, Grover says, "Good one with Al Sup, Keith. Just like the old days, you and Keith were the first podcast I listened to in my life. Been a fan ever since. Thanks, Grover. And look, man, it's uh, it was disappointing that that thing sort of we had to split off. It had to do with like, you know, kind of where my content uh, can live since I have a contract that kind of covers the big spur and everybody else was CBS and twenty four seven, which I understood completely. Um. And and I didn't know at the beginning. People were like, "Well, we don't know, but uh, but we'll see uh, see that." Um, wow, Chip Kelly's buyout drops to zero in January at UCLA. Maybe Oregon can wait for a little bit, bring him home. Um, and so that was unfortunate. But I enjoyed sort of helping Keith get that brand started, and Keith Keith's kind of taking it a different direction with a lot of guests and stuff. And you know, those that are patrons on that podcast certainly enjoy it. I think I'm going on the town hall tomorrow night or Wednesday night, one of these nights this week. So that should be fun uh, and all that. But certainly do enjoy uh, the podcast with Keith. Uh, the times that we are guests on each other's pod uh, is pretty awesome. So uh, there we go. My Mario Cristobal now officially announced uh, at Miami. God, makes too much sense, doesn't it? Pray and play. Could there be any legitimacy to claims that Carolina is now going after Quinn Ewers? Uh, he could visit. Of course, there's a connection with Landon Sampson there. Visited Texas Tech. You know, I don't know. Maybe he wants to stay closer to Texas. Uh, I think that would be a problem uh, to get him to a place like Carolina. But you never know. 
you, you, you never know. And, and I think that the before anybody needs to kind of, I guess, get excited about it, uh, he, he probably needs to schedule a visit and, and they need to get him on campus. Um, but yeah, you know, he's pretty special talent and all that good stuff. So we'll see, uh, see how things work, uh, with the Gamecocks right now, everything you hear is Texas Tech, Texas. So just take that for what it's worth right now. But, um, I do think there's been some rumblings, uh, even before he left Ohio state because of the Landon Sampson connection. So we'll see what happens there. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to sit here and make guarantees on that one, but, uh, I, I do think it's worth looking at. Uh, Joe Sports Caller, OC candidates. Yeah, no, Ruggiero at Wake. I love the offense. I just – it scares me to death as it relates to South Carolina or any other um, school in the SEC. And, and here, here's why. When you look at – and I love the offense. Don't get me wrong. I mean, that guy's hell of a coach, hell of a play caller. Um. When you look at what they do with the run game, with the mesh point and the delay and all that, what I've noticed is primarily from watching them play Clemson over the years, uh, in recent years with Clemson's dominant defensive line, uh, teams with great overwhelming talent on the D-line, which is what South Carolina faces week in and week out, tend to blow that thing up. You know, it's just it's just too – I don't know. It, it, it maybe maybe waste too much time. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but that would be my concern with Virgilio, Robert Ane at Virginia. Certainly with uh, Mendenhall leaving, uh, they had a great year. Uh, Zach Kitley's going to Texas Tech from Western Kentucky. And keep in mind, man, Texas Tech is his alma mater. Uh, and, and, and there's concerns there too, guys. I mean, I I love the the air raid and, and all that, but. It, it seems to me like it's more of just a straight air raid than a uh, than one that you know Carolina, a modified version maybe that Carolina needs to run that that puts an emphasis on running the ball as well. So you're gonna have to run the ball in the SEC, man. You got to, you got to run it, and and that's been the big problem with Carolina's offense this year. It's not that the passing game, the quarterback play hadn't been good. I don't think anybody expected it to be good. Uh, it's been the inability to run the football. Uh, and then four Kendall Browles and five Phil Longo. Give me, give me Browles or Longo uh, every day, twice on Sunday. You know, whatever you want to, whatever you want to say, um, because those two guys really speak for themselves in terms of style uh, and, and what I kind of think they need to be doing offensively. So anyway, uh, I like all those names. Man, I, I think they all kind of speak for themselves. Uh, you know, to me, if I'm – my preference obviously would be Bryles on this because I've, I've been a Kendall Bryles guy for a long time. Uh, but, you know, Longo would be fine. Uh, Ane would be fine. I think uh, I, I would encourage everybody uh, to look and, and make sure – you know, don't, don't, don't get caught up in, in the, the air raid stuff um, because it's great. Uh, and, and all that, but man, South Carolina's not set up to do that. Nor do I think that there's that they will be, um, just because of the receivers you need, and then you know the the run. I, I, you know you have to run the ball. I mean, nor do I think they will be anytime soon, because you're probably sitting there saying, "Well, Mississippi State has no problem doing it." Yeah, you're right. That's a good point. So um, I, I just I, I think that you know right now. 
you know, you've got a bunch of backs. Probably most of them are coming back. You're going to have to build at receiver. You know, there's questions at quarterback. You know, I, 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 I definitely am not thinking you need to be a ground and pound kind of scheme. Uh, but, you know, something like Longo does and Bra- those guys do where there is quite a run game involved. Um, that could help maximize the, uh, the current personnel quickly. You know, you want to keep building and moving forward. Otherwise, maybe an ugly year on offense next year too, and then everybody hates the OC and, you know, it'd be bad. And I think, look, I think that – I think there's more reasons to not like the offense uh, at Carolina right now uh, than just, hey, they didn't do well. Uh, I'll leave it at that. But that's uh, – and I'll say one thing too, guys. Uh, you know, I, I know there's – been a lot of talk and some people have even alluded to it um, on my website about you know some sort of beef between step and Satterfield and that step is going to leave or whatever um, I'll just say this I I haven't addressed that talked about it responded to questions about it confirmed or denied it nothing um, just because I I don't know enough concrete about it uh, to say one way, yes, or uh, I mean, it could be a vicious rumor. It could be, I don't, I don't think it's a vicious rumor, but I, I, I it, 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 it's not. It's just not something I'm comfortable talking about personally, right? Um, and and that's not anything against anybody that is that has reported it at all, especially Tony on my website and anybody else. Um, but I just want to keep that in mind because there are other people out there, sort of in the Carolina market. Um, you know, on, on radio shows and stuff alluding to just the big spur. And uh, I don't want people to think it was me, you know, just because I've kind of made the decision to not touch that. Uh, and it's just – I have my reasons for it. I just don't – it's just not something I want to get into, you know, uh, right now uh, as far as all that stuff goes. Um, and, and like I said, not not refuting anything anybody else is saying – uh, I just know that it's it's starting to get out that, you know, the Big Spur is this place where, you know, everybody's talking about step and all this other stuff and, and sat and leaving and all this other stuff. I just, you know, I just wanted to throw that out in case you guys thought that maybe people were talking about yours truly. Um, Adam says, uh, or no, and I am bro. That's it. That's my buddy. <laughs> Adam, how to read that as Adam. Uh, you've said that Cristobal was Miami's caged animal hire. I'm very interested to see what he does. Combine that with Southern Cal's textbook caged animal hire and LSU's debatable one. This is a big offseason for one of my favorite Sherbertisms. Yeah, um, I, I think so too. And I went through that at the beginning of the show, caged animal syndrome hire, you know, I, I'm always glad when, when it comes to coaching hires, I'm always glad when things make sense, you know, uh, they don't always work out, but, but with me, I'm like, I'm glad it makes sense, you know, at the beginning, you know, does this make sense? And, and a lot of times, you know, schools will hire play, you know, programs will hire coaches, and it just like like to me, Dan hiring. If you're Oklahoma, hiring Dan Lanning over Brent Venables would not make any sense because you know Brent Venables has a long 
long history uh, with Oklahoma before he went to Clemson. Um, I think he's kind of what they need as a program transitioning in the SEC. It's a tremendous challenge. He's a proven great recruiter. Uh, and he's proven that he can call a defense and, and build a defense and all that. You know, Dan Lanning is at Georgia, part of a lot of success right now. But, man, look, look at who was on that defensive staff. Glenn Schumann, Kirby Smart, Will Muschamp. I mean, there, there are a lot of guys there, you know, that, that have track records. So, I, uh, you know, I, I, I think it makes sense, and I'm glad to see it. Uh, is Lincoln Riley like a guy that you would go – well, that's that's who Southern Cal should definitely hire. No, but it it makes sense. Um, I think LSU hiring Brian Kelly. When you look at their track record of hiring guys from Big Ten country, makes sense. And Woodward wanting the biggest name possible, their AD. You know, I, I think Cristobal to Miami definitely makes sense. You know, and and Miami paying the money he's paying, or they're paying him is uh, that shows commitment. That shows that maybe the the feeling that the University of Miami didn't care about athletics is wrong. Uh, and that shows me, too, that some boosters have maybe gotten involved and said, all right, we, we need to quit messing around with the Manny Diaz's and Al Golden's of the world, and let's let's go get a, get our guy. Let's go get our guy. And they went and got their guy. So it's good to hear. Good to hear about all that. So uh, – yeah. Uh, Chip Kelly is the um, – shoot, he's the – Vegas odds-wise, the leader in the clubhouse to get Oregon. Tim Sataki from BYU, Wilcox from California, Brian Harson from Auburn. There we go. So, that'd be interesting to see who gets that Oregon job. That's, that's a different kind of deal. I think they lucked out last time they had a coaching search because they, they hired Taggart. Willie Taggart, who would have failed there miserably, and Cristobal was on his staff, and they just promoted him, and away you go. So, thanks, and I am bro. I think that's how you say that um, and all that. So, there's two ways to get into the I Help Consulting mailbag. I didn't tell you about this earlier. Inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com is our inbox. And then you can tweet to at the Big Spur Pod. Please go follow that account. That's the Inside the Gamecocks uh, podcast account. Separate from at the Big Spur 247, which is the Big Spur account. Um, all right. So this comes in from Chris. Uh, he says, lighthearted note. He's like, I'm on a break from transfer portal news and recruiting. Or is it just me? Or Beamer seem like he's getting more gray hair. I look at his opening press conference now, and it just seems like my dude is aging more than most presidents. Do you think he should try to keep it dark or just let it go gray? Let me, let me know what you think. And that's, you know, I haven't noticed it, but I'll be honest, I'm I'm colorblind. Now, I can tell gray versus dark. Like, don't get me wrong. I don't uh, I don't see in black and white. I mix up dark greens and reds and all that. So it doesn't, it doesn't maybe hit me as much. Uh, and I haven't, I haven't actually noticed it because he's got a hat on a lot. Uh, but I'll say this, you're going to age when you <laughs> run a major college football program. I mean, that's just that's just how it's going to happen. And uh, Shane's my age. So, yeah, he's this is about the time that it starts to, to go great. And you got to make that call. You, you got to make that decision. Hey, am I going to am I going to let it go gray or am I going to maybe do, you know, the the uh, 
the old die job, you know, keep it, keep it fresh. I, I don't know, man. I, I guess 37, 38, I kind of was I diet every now and then, but it, I didn't really go that cray. And now I'm just like, well, you know, it, it's going to get there eventually, you know, time waits for no man. So let's kind of let it go and become a silver Fox. Right. Uh, but uh, yeah, I don't know what Beamer should do. I probably would keep it short, you know, and just let it play out there. Uh, don't need to do Kirby Smart or Lane Kiffin here, I think, if you're Shane. Um, Cartwright. Uh, I'm not going to – Cartwright, uh, I'm not going to repeat what you said here because I'm not getting into it. Uh, it's an, a, a false rumor about Marcus Satterfield. Uh, and I'll just tell you that's not true. Stop believing things you see on Facebook and people putting crap out there, uh, you know. And, and look, I, I've told everyone how I feel about Marcus Satterfield and the job, the offensive coordinator's job, the offense, the things that are wrong, whatever. But I don't want to, like, bash the guy in, you know, in terms of, like, you know, is he a bad dude with something this – like a serious – type of misconduct. No, I, I don't, I, I wouldn't say that about the guy at all. Um, you know, I, I did say, you know, that, that he, you know, he's not a guy that's like well-liked, <laughs> but uh, that's different than being like a crappy person or, or somebody that would do anything like that. But anyway, thanks Cartwright for that one. Mitchell. He said, this is probably a bit of a silly question, but I thought I'd bring it up anyway. I saw where Kevin Kelly resigned as PC's football coach over the weekend. And do you believe he'd be a good candidate to South Carolina's offensive coordinator if Marcus Satterfield is let go? No, I don't. I don't. Uh, I don't. <laughs> uh, in-state recruiting, I don't think that would help in-state recruiting, uh, Mitchell, because it's uh, – um, you know, he's from Arkansas. So I, I, I just, you know, the whole go for it every fourth down. I mean, would it make games interesting? Yes. Would I, I don't know that that's the answer. I just don't know that that's the answer. Now, high school coaches, though, guys with backgrounds in high school, I think do fit. But um, I just don't know about, I mean, Kevin Kelly and that coming to South Carolina, but not, you know, you're on the right track. I think thanks for the email, Jared, after listening to Beamer's press conference, him saying he's not making any changes to staff before the bowl. It's a time to be concerned. He said he didn't expect there to be any, he expects uh, that. So, and he probably does. I can't help but think we're going to miss out on good transfer players because of Satterfield's offense, not to mention other schools will be getting top choices at OC. You know, I, I keep hearing this. I think this is something that fans have latched on to and that it's one of those unfounded worry things um, as far as missing out on players uh, in the portal because of the I don't, I don't see that happening um, specifically. Um, and, and I also don't think that this is some sort of like, oh, well – Carolina would have gotten Zach Kitley had he not gone to Texas Tech. I mean, like I said, he's a number one. He, you know, I don't know that he would be the right choice. Um, number two, he's a Texas Tech guy. So, I mean, you know, 
you think that after the Clemson game, Sat would have been fired? You know, I, I can make a good uh, argument for that, but he's still here. Only problem is if we beat UNC, I feel like Beamer will keep him on staff. I don't think it's a situation where that it's it's a beat North Carolina or lose your job or or beat North Carolina and um you know you get retained. I, I don't think that's the situation. Um, also, do you have any updates on transfer? players. I know Hasselwood's at Arkansas now. Yeah, he's he's going to Arkansas. He committed Rattler or Johnson from LSU. Probably have something on Rattler later this week. You know, all this stuff's kind of evolving. Um, all I know is the expectation is that it's going to be a big recruiting weekend this weekend in Columbia. So there you go. Um, Cromer, Michael, just heard the news that uh, Joe Brady was fired from the Panthers. I'm sure I'm not going to be the only one saying this, but we need to make a run for him. Also, any updates on Carolina offering any of the Gaffney players since they won state? Thanks for all you do. No, 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 no updates on the Gaffney players. And you know, this this is where like the NCAA a few years back deciding that you know nobody's going to Shrine Bowl. Uh, no, no college coaches are going to Shrine Bowl. It really takes away potential opportunities because no, normally the, the Gaffney players going to the Shrine Bowl would get evaluated and all that in person. Uh, and it was big, you know, you used to see guys get four or five offers from Shrine Bowl week, but now it's not like that. And uh, it's a shame. So blame the NCAA um, as far as that goes. So that's, uh, that's that with that. And Michael says, go Indians, go Cox. And yeah, Gaffney, Gaffney Indians. Um, Andy says, read the following statement from Napier's press conference at Florida. We're going to go through a very th- – all right, so here's the quote. We're going to go through a very thorough evaluation progress- process. We're going to hire an army of people here. We're going to create infrastructure, not only in the personnel department, but also from on-campus recruiting, creative media, name, image, and likeness. We've got a great vision for the organization that we're going to create here. I can't help but be envious of Florida's commitment, top to bottom, to being elite. Hmm. Do you have any hope or positive signs you can mention showing that Beamer, the BOT, or expected new president will have this commitment to be elite? Um, I don't, Andrew. I don't, South Carolina's not pinching pennies, man. <laughs> um, you know, Napier. Uh, it wasn't that Napier wasn't if he'd have gotten a Carolina job, it wasn't that he wasn't going to be given anything he wanted as far as that goes. Uh, and, you know, you see it at Alabama, a lot of off-field staff. South Carolina has a big off-field support staff, man. You know, it, it's bigger than it was under Muschamp. It's bigger than it was under Spurrier. Um, a lot of times it's preference, though. I mean, because, you know, Shane Beamer has said it. I mean, Muschamp said more is not – I mean, less – more is not always better. And Beamer kind of said the same thing. He's like, we're no, everybody needs to have a defined role in the organization and the building. Um, and everybody's got to be pulling the same direction. And, you know, you just don't hire people to hire people. And, uh, yeah, you know, Florida's going to have an army. But, I mean, you know, people talk about the commitment. Florida was behind everybody else with facilities for a while. And, you know, uh, they've fired a bunch of coaches. Uh, you know, I don't. I don't see where 
other than doing what most SEC programs do and saying, you know, you're going to have a big off-the-field staff and infrastructure that, I mean, you know, Dan Mullen probably didn't want that. You know, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't see where this is kind of uh, has anything to do with South Carolina um, at all, uh, and and I don't think it's anything to be envious of, Andy. I, I, I just honestly, I think sometimes when some new things happen, uh, you know, you you see that and you're like, well, it's Florida, and oh man, you know, here we go, they're spending all this money and doing it, but but they've done this before. I mean, this has happened before. I mean, it, it's nothing that. Um, nothing that, you know, nothing that, uh, doesn't happen everywhere else. And I'll tell you this, man, just to be honest, it's, uh, you know, it's not like South Carolina doesn't have a really good group, uh, off field was what they call it. Um, and it's not like South Carolina is not willing to spend money on it. I mean, and, and this has been fact, uh, at Carolina says Muschamp got there. I mean, you know, that people say this about Ray Tanner and this, that, and the other. And whatever criticism can be made uh, about Ray and his, what, his leadership, whatever, whatever. But one thing you can't criticize him on is he's never sat there and said, okay, we can't do this for football. We can't spend this. I mean, it's, it's literally never happened. You know, anything anybody wants, they get. Uh, and that's including in recruiting or, or whatnot. So um, I, I think it's easy when you're struggling, you know, sometimes and, and you lose to Clemson like that to sit there and just try to find answers. Um, but as far as spending on infrastructure and people and all that, you know, just keep in mind, number one, Carolina's not taking a back seat to anybody. As far as this, it's largely up to the head football coach. Um, to, as far as what he wants, uh, that's number one. Number two, uh, you know, more is not always better, you know, especially, you know, when it comes to college football uh, staffs. Um, you know, it, it's always good to have enough help and to have people doing it. But then, you know, you got – you have to make sure, as Beamer said, everybody has a defined role um, and, they're, and they're getting there, you know. And I don't, I don't know – Having like five guys watching film versus three, uh, I don't know that that helps uh, all that much, um, you know, unless you got like a master evaluator sitting in there that can find players. But, you know, do you think do, do you think that the key to Florida's success as a program, uh, as far as they're seeing it right now, is that, you know, oh, well, they've got these under-the-radar guys, and they get eight of them every year that this one guy finds, they end up being good? I don't think so. I think I think people of Florida would probably flip out a little bit. And I know that like most Gamecock fans, that that's not kind of what they think about when they think about good recruiting. Um, you know, so other than a scenario like that, I don't what you know, more is more the more is better. I don't know. I don't know. Carolina's got a large on campus recruiting group led by Jessica Jackson. I mean, there's just Gamecocks have a lot of guys and gals. So I, I don't, I don't think that there's anything to be envious of uh, when it comes to Billy Napier in Florida uh, and the organization. Um, I get it. It's the it's the Nick Saban Alabama model, and if you've looked at this model, it's been implemented a lot in, in, at different spots. And, and where has it worked? Georgia. That's it. So. Yeah. 
and 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 Georgia, uh, I have a feeling the Bulldogs are, you know, when when they get in the rematch against Bama, provided that happens, which I think it will, you know, they'll take another shot. But you know, I, I don't, I don't, you know, Georgia re- recruits itself. Um, so we'll see. And, and Florida, I think Florida's probably looking up the road at Georgia, going, "Well, this we need to do." Well, maybe. But you've you've never emulated Georgia and been successful at Florida, so uh, they're two different programs, two different DNAs. So we'll see. But you know, I, I, as far as commitment to being elite, Andy, just to wrap this up, you know, do I think that there's probably a school of thought uh, within the administration and? the board of, of, Hey, you know, we're just Carolina, South Carolina. We, you know, we can't expect to do this, that, and the other. Uh, there's probably a little something of that, but I also think there's people that kind of sit there and wonder why the heck we're not, they're not better, you know, at, at what they do. Uh, I think that, you know, the idea, you know, when programs football specifically uh, and you, you read that, Venables was talking about the alignment, and that's that's a, that's a that's a term coaches are starting to use. Alignment, uh, in other words, everybody's on the same page. President, AD, board of trustees, boosters, everybody is aligned. Um, now, as far as that goes, you know, is 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 Florida's alignment better than Carolina's? Well, their AD Scott Strickland said it was good, but I, you know, you just fired a guy. Didn't want a bunch of games because he had a bad year, you know, and and made him fire his D coordinator and then fired him. You know, I mean, it's just not. I mean, I, you know, that to me, the the amount of change that's taking place down there does not, in, you know, does not say alignment. Uh, but maybe it is. You know, does South Carolina need better alignment from the top down uh, and a commitment to excellence in uh, in men's sports uh, a little bit more, you know, you'd like to say that, but then you get in specifics and you're like, well, what exactly is holding it back? You know, uh, you know, spending money. No, they spend plenty of money. Uh, you know, people get into these budgets and say, they don't spend that much on football. Well, that's, I mean, what, uh, what competitive advantage does that extra seven, you know percentage give other schools and, and whatnot? People compare it to Clemson, but you know Clemson doesn't have as many sports as the Gamecocks and all that. I don't think. Um, you know, I look at total dollars. The Gamecocks spend plenty. Operation, it's a big operation, right? Um, you know, you, you talk about creative media, name, image, likeness. Uh, the infrastructure for name, image, and likeness is in place. Uh, and as I've said many times, that's not up to the University of Florida. That's not up to the University of South Carolina. That's up to the folks that give money because you know, they're the ones that have to instigate that and, and make sure that they pay it out. And quite frankly, so far, not just in South Carolina, but everywhere, after some big deals to begin with, you don't hear that much. And I, and I think businesses are getting, you know, I'm surprised it happened this soon, but I think businesses are smart about their dollars and they understand that 
you know, essentially, you know, the value of these things is not close to what people talk about. It's not close because, you know, we talked about Quinn Ewers earlier, you know, his deal was a little different because it was with a group, um, a company, a startup in Dallas where he's from, you know, so wherever he went to school that he was going to be the pitch guy. And there's some, I think some stock involved with that. And that's a different deal, you know, because they're in your hometown or wherever everybody knows who you are. And so you can pitch, that's fine. But, you know, this notion of, well, this kid's a five-star coming in. We need to give him a name image likeness deal already or whatever. In football, that could be tough. That could be tough. But, um, and that's a uh, name image likeness. That's another one of those, of those things. We're going to wait and see kind of how that evolves in terms of actual value and dollars and uh, what's fair and what gives what school an advantage, that kind of thing. It's, it's going to be just kind of like the portal where programs are going to have to figure it out. So, you know, yeah, Napier obviously has a plan. Um, and so did Shane Beamer when he took over. Um, and, uh, you know, see so whose plan works better. I mean, shoot, it's, it's, uh, it's Florida. It's a, it's a job that's been really, really good to some coaches. It's a job where, you know, some good coaches have walked in and walked out the door quickly. So, We'll see sort of what happens. But I, I, I do think that, you know, you use the word commitment. Uh, I, I think alignment may be a better word, and you see that word used. Uh, I do think there's a commitment at South Carolina. Um, and uh, that has nothing to do with Marcus Satterfield and what, when he's been, you know, that he's still on staff or whatever. You know, that that's not that's not a – Back and forth. I mean, it's not a commitment. The, the you know, that's more of a personnel decision. Um, but we'll see. You know, I think alignment could be better. But heck, they're after the Caslin situation. You know, and there's and Pastides is back. They're trying to hire a new president. I saw somebody turned him down the other day. You know, you're when you go through transition like this, it's a uh, you know, it's hard to have that commitment, right? Um, and I do wonder. Um, cause you, you do have, uh, some issues with the academic end of the university right now because of the Caslin thing and all that. I, I, I do wonder how much, uh, athletics is, uh, is being thought about here in terms of, uh, you know, the new guy, does, does, do they get it? Do they understand, uh, how big that, how important that is to, to this university and the community? You know, and I know you got things to fix with academics, but uh, in terms of relationships and things like that with the faculty and all that, and you need more research dollars like everybody, blah, 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 blah. You know, I get that part of it. Um, but you don't want athletics to be sort of like something that, you know, a president doesn't care about or whatever. Because then what are your chances of when Tanner does hang it up, going and hiring a really good AD? Who knows? I mean, um, who knows what, what the thought process will be uh, with that. If I'm an academically oriented school president and don't really care about sports, uh, I'm probably going to go hire like a, like a ringer, like, a, like the best AD. I, I, I'm going to have caged animal syndrome as far as 
hiring the best AD I possibly can from across the country with the best track record of, you know, raising the level of all sports successfully, uh, facilities, you know, all the stuff that you do as an AD, you know, I want somebody with a great track record, so I don't have to worry about it. It's a turnkey solution. So anyway, thanks, Andy. That was a very thought provoking email and, uh, and all that. And I would just encourage you just to don't get freaked out, man. You know, uh, everybody got freaked out when everybody's getting gotten freaked out when certain schools have made certain hires over the years, especially within the division and all that. And nine times out of 10, you know, you kind of look at it and you're like, well, everything's kind of still okay. You know, there's not, you know, Tennessee and Florida have not come all the way back um, to where it's three elite teams at the top and then, you know, the, the rest of everyone else, you know. Uh, so there's still a chance in the division and, and all that good stuff. So we'll see what happens. All right. This has been fun, folks. Uh, glad to jump on today. Kind of different. Sometimes I don't do one on Mondays, but today I was feeling it because everything's happened. Uh, please, 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 if you, like if you hadn't gotten a chance to – Listen to Keith and I from Friday do that. Uh, the JC and Morgan podcast last week was absolutely epic. A um, lot of good things happening here uh, with the podcast that I do. Don't forget JB and Goldwater. I'm on from uh, what am I on from twelve thirty to one thirty every Wednesday. That's always a lot of fun. You can stream that on YouTube or catch it on the podcast version later on. JB and Goldwater. That's my, my guys there. Uh, thanks to Heritage Digital and Cindy Searfoss, Realtor, Caldwell Banker Kane, and also uh, iHelp Consulting with the iHelp Consulting mailbag. We'll be back um, soon this week. Lots going on uh, in Gamecock land. Uh, until then, keep those uh, mailbag questions coming, and uh, certainly we'll look forward to the next time we talk. J.C. Sherbert here with you signing off inside the Gamecocks podcast.